0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart.
1: Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
0: Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best
1: or nothing. You are listening to On The Daily. The RotoViz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by RotoViz Radio.
2: Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at The Oracle of Fantasy Labs and RotoViz. Welcome to the January 20th, 2018 NASCAR edition of On the Daily. I'm joined by Dr. Nick Giffen, an editor at RotoViz, a PhD in mathematics, a three time qualifier for the DraftKings NASCAR main event, and one of the best NASCAR DFS players in the world. You can follow him on Twitter at RotoDoc. Uh, Nick? How's it going? It's been a while since we've actually done a NASCAR podcast. It's good to be back.
3: Yeah, it's uh, getting back towards that time of year where we, uh, you know, have nine months of NASCAR. I'm excited. I love it. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been a fun off season. A lot of stuff has been going on, and we'll talk about a lot of that. And uh, of course, we all had the holidays. So, how was your holiday, Matt?
2: Uh, it was good. It feels so long.
0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.
2: Long ago that I really don't even remember, but uh, I, I vaguely remember that it was good. And uh, it's funny because we were you know we were always talking about doing a you know two thousand seventeen wrap up pod. Uh, And then we never did. So this is sort of like, yeah, that's mostly
3: my fault getting, getting bronchitis and laryngitis. And then I had a salivary gland infection. It's been amazing. What kind of
2: uh, (laughs) random, random
3: sicknesses I could come up with.
2: Yeah. Your holiday season sounds like it was horrible. So yeah. So this is sort of like the, the co like 2017 wrap up and then 2018 look ahead kickoff show. So we have a lot to cover here.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm excited.
2: So uh, let's let's just get into it. It's been two months since the 2017 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series ended, uh, and we had a great finish with Martin Trex Jr. winning, which is very appropriate because he was a dominant driver for all of 2017. Give us a quick recap of the season and uh, some of the highlights and lowlights from the year.
3: Yeah, I mean, it It was a great year. It uh, was, you know, I guess it was pretty competitive. Obviously, the Toyotas seemed to kind of dominate the Joe Gibbs, the furniture row guys there. They were definitely the dominant team, but we had a nice mix of competitive cars. I mean, early on in the year, the Penske guys were really good. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano. Uh, obviously, Joey Logano got that win at Richmond, but then it was encumbered um, because of some illegal stuff they did to the car, and he never really seemed to be the same after that. I think they probably had to stop doing the illegal things to the car, and it really didn't suit Joey Logano's style very well, whatever the the illegal things were. Uh, so He didn't seem to recover. The Fords after that, just in general, seemed to be a little slower, I think, especially as Toyota got a hold of their new car that they introduced in 2017. But we also had some competitive Chevys. Of course, Kyle Larson was probably one of the top three dominant cars on the year. If you talk about Truex, Kyle Busch, and then Kyle Larson was probably the third most dominant. Um, Kevin Harvick right up there. Those were really the four best. And then you can throw in Keselowski as the fifth. And it was a great season because of those five, four of them, those – Kyle Larson being the one who missed out Four of the other four made the championship round. So it was a super competitive final round. All four of them at one point at Homestead uh, was was the guy out front. Right. Because the of those four, whoever finished first of those four at Homestead would be the championship winner. And all four of them at different points of the race were leading the championships, so to speak. Uh, but, of course, Martin Truex Jr. did end up winning it, Dominic Carr. But I think 2017 was such a cool season because we got to see a lot of um, new faces winning. Uh, we don't always get to see that happen um, and right off the bat, it, we didn't see a new face win, but we did see Kurt Busch finally get his first restrictor plate win. That, of course, was a season opening race at Daytona. Uh, Kurt Busch has been, you know, the bridesmaid many times at restrictor plate races, second place finishes. Finally, got the monkey off his back, took his first Daytona 500, first restrictor plate win. So that was a cool way to start the year. It it was a really awesome sequence of of uh, you know events there in that final lap as well. Kurt Bush passed Kyle Larson who ran out of fuel, but Chase Elliott was in the mix and Ryan Blaney and a whole bunch of guys. And uh, it was a great, great race. And then, like I said, we saw some first time winners. Austin Dillon grabbed his first win. Um, we had Ricky Stenhouse Jr. not only grab his first win, but his second win winning twice at restrictor plate tracks. Um, you know, Ryan Blaney grabbed a win at Pocono. So a lot of interesting um, first time winners course, we also had some retirements. It was also great to see Matt Kenseth win a race in his final season in NASCAR. I know we saw Tony Stewart do that a couple years ago, Jeff Gordon the year before that do it. So uh, it just seems to be a trend where we've got a driver retiring and he still pips out a win in his final season. Matt Kenseth kept up the trend there. And of course, it was Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s final season as well. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that, but it was a cool year, a lot of new winners, a lot of new faces. uh, And we're going to see more of that in 2018.
2: Okay, so that was the NASCAR recap. Of course, there's the NASCAR DFS recap, and you had a fantastic season in 2017. uh, Starting with the season opening Clash of Daytona, you won that for the second year in a row. Uh, You qualified for the Fantasy Racing World Championship for the third time, and uh, you did that the first weekend that they were offering a qualifier. Uh, You made it all the way to the penultimate round of the contest. Uh, and you took down the first and, I think to date, the only $5,300 buy-in NASCAR Thunderdome. So all in all, uh, you won a lot of GPPs. Uh, Five of them had over 500 entrants and uh, 10 others that were over $100 buy-in. So a very successful season for you. Can you talk about the the process that you used in 2017 and if you uh, are planning on tweaking it at all for 2018?
3: Yeah, uh, I think the most important thing you can do is have kind of a consistent process. Um, if you have a very good process, the results will come. So we saw early in 2018. Yes, I had that the, the nice weekends at Daytona, and then I had a good weekend in Atlanta. But then I think the next four weeks were all losing weeks for me. But you got to stick with your process if it's a successful process. Um, and so, so really, I think the process is the most important part. Uh, results will come, and and then of course eventually they did. So. My process is um, I try not to uh, get too caught up in the maybe like the midweek stuff, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, looking back, saying who did what last year or or really relying way too much on what happened in one race or the most recent race uh, at maybe not even just of the season, but of the, the last time they were at the specific track. Because um, you know, you say – a lot of times you hear, oh, you know, Ryan Blaney is the defending champion, and then all of a sudden everybody likes to play Ryan Blaney because he's the defending champion. I don't get caught up in that. What I really focus on is the weekend itself, and the process really begins with understanding what's going on in practice. If you don't understand what's going on in practice, you are going to be, I think, already behind the eight balls. So I think one of the most important things you can do is not only – Look at the practice results, but really dive into what happened in practice. How important is practice? Um, some races, it's less important than others. Uh, and then, and so, really understanding how important practice is. What parts of practice are important? Is the 10 lap important? Is single lap important? Uh, were there things in practice that happened that uh, you can't really quantify through data, um, such as garage talk or, or drivers saying their car got worse or they got better. Um, So that is the number one piece of information I really try to understand week in and week out. And the second most important thing I try to understand is what I think everybody else is going to do, because there's two parts to, to, uh, especially in GPPs, to NASCAR DFS. One is understanding how Uh, you think the race can play out and what the range of outcomes are. But the second piece is understanding what everybody else will do so that you can understand where there's an inefficiency in the market. Uh, And then that it really does make a lot of sense because, uh, you know, if you, if you think about flipping a coin a hundred times, you should approximately get 50 heads and 50 tails. You won't every time, but you approximately will, especially over the long run. So if we were to replay a restrictor plate race, 10,000 times over, you would expect guys to crash out anywhere between 30 and 60% of the time. But if a driver is going to be, you know, 60% owned and he has a 60% chance of crashing out, it doesn't make sense to play him that much. So that's kind of a very simplified example. That would be like saying, uh, you know, I want to bet on tails 75% of the time. That just doesn't make sense Um, if you were just flipping a a fair coin and had a 50-50 result. So Understanding the market is something that's very easy to do in NASCAR DFS, and one of the great tools that I used a lot was the model, the ownership percentage model, and that was a very, very successful model, so we'll continue to do that in 2018, Um, and I think – it's it's going to continue to be a very successful model, and, and I think that's one of the biggest things was really understanding what the market is going to do and actually being a little less concerned with what I think each driver specifically will do. Now, that said, I do think it's important to figure out also uh, which drivers actually do have a chance of dominating and getting that proportion right because we know – Based off of the way DraftKings scores NASCAR DFS, and and we don't know if there will be any changes to that yet in 2018. But we do know, at least based off the way DraftKings has been scoring, that dominators are very important almost every single race. Obviously, there's some exceptions with the road courses and the restricted play races. But identifying those dominators and which ones have the highest potential is very important. So my process began with understanding the market. And then understanding who do I think is going to dominate? I think those are my two biggest things that I keyed in on for 2017 that I did very well. Uh, and, and I used a lot of the RotoViz tools to do that. I think one of the very good tools that we have was the range of outcomes with the, the similarity scores, the driver sim scores. Uh, that app was awesome. And I'm going to have a lot more time to update that this year in 2018 and try to keep on the eight ball with that so that, um, you know, those sim scores will be updated uh, as quick as possible throughout the weekend, because I think that's a very important part of identifying the Dominators. And, and you'll really see that uh, identifying the Dominators was was a, a part I improved on in 2017 a lot more than I did in 2016. So. What tweaks are going to come for 2018 to the process? Well, I think part of it will be, especially in our next uh, podcast that we're going to do next week, I found some trends in 2017 uh, that were different from you know, the past in 2016, 15, and, and prior years. And I think those are going to be important things to understand as we go into 2018. And some of that, I think, has to do with, obviously, the stages that were introduced in 2017 for the first time, so really getting a better understanding of that. And uh, there's a couple other tweaks I'll be making for 2018. One of them we're going to talk about will be a new app. But another tweak, I'm actually going to play less in 2018. Um, I might not play every weekend, whereas you know this past year I played I think every weekend except one. Um, I- I'm going to pick and choose my races better, and that's just because I have a lot of other stuff I want to do as well. We're doing some other big things with NFL at Is. Uh, and you know, I want to pick and choose my most successful tracks and races and situations. So I'm actually going to be more selective this year. Now, that doesn't mean the coverage here at Rotovis is going to be any worse. It's actually going to be a lot better because it will give me more time some weekends to actually focus on providing you guys with better information instead of having to worry about building 150 of my own lineups. So um, I actually think that will be a good thing for you guys. Uh, obviously, I'll still enter all the restrictor plate races and all all the races where I feel like I have a very good edge Uh, but I think I'm going to be more selective, play less this year, and that will give me more time to focus on, uh, obviously, not only updating the apps, but just absorbing all the information so I can give it to you guys better in 2018.
2: All right, so some really fascinating stuff there. Some of the things that popped in my head when uh, you were talking is that it's a very – it it seems like a very uh, GPP-focused approach, which which I think makes sense because for you – uh, with the models that you have and the market-based approach, uh, you can really do well in GPPs and differentiate yourself in that way. And it, it made me think when you said, uh, you know, you had that first big weekend with the uh, the restrictor plate races, and then for three or four weeks after that. Yeah, you had losing weekends. I think it's really important for people to remember that the big weekend is still bigger than those four losing weekends because they're still relatively small losses. And so I think it's really easy for some people to to be tilted uh, when they have this string of losing weekends. Uh, and then they, they don't play the one weekend where they might have an edge and could have had a, a big win. Uh, so something I, I think for people to keep in mind.
3: Yeah, definitely. And it all comes down to, like you said, um, definitely all the things I talked about uh, seem to be more GPP oriented. And that's because I'm a GPP oriented player, especially for NASCAR. It's just the way I think. Um, But if you're playing cash games, obviously you want to be successful more than 50 percent of the time. But even then you flip a coin, uh, you know, let's say you're exactly a 50 50 player in 50 50s. Right. Then you would still expect to win half the time. But that doesn't mean you can't flip tails four times in a row and have a, have a losing streak. Now, with GPPs, it's even more possible that that can happen because you're only expected to win maybe a third of the time if you're a very good GPP player. So, um, you know, obviously the probability that you get four losses in a row is, is much higher if you only have a 33% chance of success than a 50 or 60% chance of success if you're, for example, a good cash game player. So, Uh, Another thing that I'll be doing this year, of course, is trying to put more focus on the weekends I'm not playing is put more focus into cash games as well to help you guys out there. Um, But, of course, I also recommend checking out Stevie TPFL, uh, our good friend in the industry. We work together a lot. He is quite possibly the best NASCAR DFS cash game player there is, uh, and I think obviously it's always worth checking out his work. But we're going to have a lot of the cash game side as well this year, and I think one of the things that I'll probably do is play more cash this year uh, when I do play, just to kind of minimize the swing since I'll be playing less. So there's uh, when there's 36 races or 38 slates, uh, you know, I have a lot more slates that I can uh, smooth out the variance, so to speak. But if I'm only playing maybe 20 of them, there's less races, less opportunity for me to have big scores so one way to smooth that out is by playing more cash so i think i'm going to do that as well in 2018 but uh yeah i mean i'm just excited because we're going to have some new tools that we're going to talk about later and uh, i think that's going to be one of my favorite things to to introduce for 2018.
1: hey sports fans football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
2: Yes, yeah, so 2018 a lot to look forward to. Uh one of those of course is going to be the discount that people will be able to get through the NASCAR podcast homepage. You cannot get that yet, so we're recording this on Saturday. The show will probably come out Saturday or Sunday and then on Monday we're going to go live with the uh the NASCAR podcast homepage through which you will be able to get the discount. So Uh, Keep an eye out for that. It is, again, not live yet, but uh, it will be live on Monday, and that is rotavis.com slash NASCAR podcast, and it'll be a 30% discount for the entire season, so uh, definitely keep your eye on that. Uh, Nick, looking back at 2017, and specifically the NASCAR playoffs, uh, we had a contest uh, give us a quick update on that. I believe that at some point soon we will have figured out who the contest winner is, but we, we haven't done the calculations yet.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, one other thing I did want to say in relation to the pod discount in the NASCAR package and all that, uh, we will have early bird pricing through the rest of January. Um, you know, get in early. So when we open it up on Monday, we'll have early bird pricing. So you can subscribe to the full season, Cheaper than you will be able to in February. Um, So you're definitely gonna wanna do that. Prices will go up in February. Uh, But we will have an early bird period. The 30% discount will be applied to the early bird period as well. So you have a a 30% discount on the discount. So that's even better. So make sure you get that pod discount starting Monday. It'll probably be up around noon Pacific time. Uh, Since I'm on Pacific time and I have to set up all that, and it'll take me the morning to set it up. Probably won't be ready until noon Pacific time on Monday. But after that, you'll be able to get the 30% discount on the early bird pricing for the year. Prices will go up in February. So uh, make sure you subscribe early. There are going to be um, tons
2: of uh, our NASCAR podcast degenerate fans just uh, hitting refresh on, on that NASCAR podcast homepage for that's you know, right. like every five I'm, I'm gonna minutes have to send, I'm going to have
3: to send out my first tweet of January. I, I don't know if you all have been following my, my Twitter prop bit, but I'm not allowed to tweet in January unless it's a business-related tweet. So I'll make sure to make that my first tweet of January is when the uh, NASCAR pass is live. Uh, there we go. That sounds good. All right. Get going here. Yeah, so for that playoff contest, uh, we have all of the the spreadsheets and everything like that. I just haven't had a chance to uh, go through and run the script. I have a script that I'm going to run to pull the names off of the drivers and then calculate the standings. Part of that is me being sick. Part of that was uh, I was unable to, um, I guess, uh, do that because, Matt, you hold the keys to the email. (laughs) I I (laughs) am am the key holder. We got that We share We share
2: blame Uh, here. There was, you go. Yeah. we have
3: that figured out, and it actually will work out great because um, it'll be we'll be able to award the winner the week we open up the passes. So if you are a winner and you do subscribe, we'll, we'll easily be able to refund it, and we'll get you your winning pass. Uh, We've got some great prizes as we mentioned, and be on the lookout for some contests in 2018 as well. I think we're going to do more than just the NASCAR playoff contest this year. Uh, so keep an eye out Ooh, for some should- extra. We should do a
2: contest that is restrictor plate only.
3: That would be fun.
2: Yeah, and then we could also do one that is road courses and and kind of break it up by type of course if we wanted.
3: I have some ideas. I would like that. And another thing we can do is we can hold a a like a free DraftKings contest and uh, do a series. So uh, you know maybe uh, if you guys. We, we do, the like you said, the restrictor plate contest, but not picking drivers, but maybe doing uh, the four DFS races, uh, free contests on there. You sign up for those, and we'll calculate a point system, uh, and whoever has the best DFS results in the his free contests there on DraftKings for the restrictor plates might win uh, some prizes, and we could do that for each of the the course types. So let's do it. Let's have a uh, Rotoviz contest every week this year, uh, at least a free contest. I'll, I'll definitely – every week if we have a free contest.
2: All right. I like it. Uh, let's start talking about 2018, some of the off-season news. Let's start with the news around driver movement and changes. So 2017 season brought us a few retirements. Uh, Dale Jr., Matt Kenseth, and Danica Patrick, you mentioned earlier, uh, all of them are hanging up the racing boots. Uh, talk about who is replacing each of those drivers, uh, and then as well as any other driver changes, uh, that we're going to be seeing, uh, in the 2018 season.
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to talk about. The the silly season was pretty wild there. Um, but, uh, you mentioned, of course, Dale Jr., Matt Kenseth, Danica, Patrick, hanging up the boots, um, so replacing Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the 88 car is the guy who actually replaced him for most of the races when he had the concussion uh, two years ago. And that is Alex Bowman. So Alex Bowman will be back in that number 88 car this time for the full year. Um, he'll still be paired with Greg Ives, who was Dale Jr.'s crew chief there. So no changes to the crew chief, no changes to the team owner or anything like that. Just the driver of the 88 car will be changing. And it'll be a familiar face in Alex Bowman. Remember, he did very well at Phoenix uh, when he was replacing Dale Jr., he almost won that race, uh, if not for a mistake that I believe it was Matt Kenseth made on a, a late restart there, which caused a crash. Uh, So Alex Bowman has shown a lot of competitiveness in that 88 car back in 2016 when he raced in it. So hopefully in 2018, he'll show a lot of competitiveness competitiveness replacing Dale Earnhardt Jr. in that car as well. As far as the number 20 car, which was the car Matt Kenseth drove for Joe Gibbs Racing, Uh, young Eric Jones, one of the – Highlight stories from 2017 Rookie of the Year there, Eric Jones, will be moving from Furniture Row Racing as Martin Trix Jr.'s official teammate to Joe Gibbs Racing, now officially teaming with Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and the guy he beat out for Rookie of the Year, Daniel Suarez in uh, 2017 there. So that will be the four-team stable there. Martin Trix Jr. will still be at, at Furniture Row, but uh, he will be a single car team, so no longer teammates with Eric Jones there. Back to a single car team for Furniture Row Racing and Martin Truex Jr. Of course, they will still have the with joe gibbs racing so it really kind of is still a five car team even though it's technically a four and a one car team uh, in terms of replacing danica patrick i believe this is the news we did not have going into the final race of the year that will be eric almirola replacing danica patrick in the 10 car there at stewart haas racing so the stewart haas racing stable stays the same except for er- Almarola replacing danica patrick uh, the rest of the stable still is kevin harvick in the four Clint Boyer in the 14, and Kurt Busch did end up re-signing. And we know there were some questions about if he would re-sign there. He's officially re-signed for Stuart Haas Racing in that 41 car. So uh, aside from Danica, the stable remains the same. Now, as far as Danica, we've got some news that she will be doing what is called the Danica Double. She'll be racing the Daytona 500 and the Indianapolis 500 over in the IndyCar Series as her final two races as a race car driver. No details have been announced on who she'll be driving for in either race, but GoDaddy did announce that they will be sponsoring her for both races. GoDaddy was a longtime sponsor of Danica throughout her IndyCar career, as well as uh, a a good chunk of her early portion of her NASCAR career as well. So they'll be back together for the Danica Double, the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500. And hey, she has a chance to win both races. She's uh, been very good at both of those tracks. They suit her racing style very well. As far as the other changes, a lot to talk about. As I mentioned, no changes at Chip Ganassi Racing, still Jamie McMurray, Kyle Larson. No changes at Jermaine Racing. Ty Dillon will still be in the 13 car uh, and kind of affiliated with RCR, the Richard Childress guys there, of course, because Ty Dillon's grandfather, Richard Childress, is the owner uh, of Richard Childress Racing. Uh, At Richard Childress Racing, Austin Dillon, Ryan Newman will still be there. The 27 car, which Paul Menard was in. Nothing has been announced for that yet. What I expect is Richard Childress will downsize to a two-car team, but it's not guaranteed yet, but I expect they'll downsize from a three-car team to a two-car team and retain Austin Dillon and Ryan Newman as their drivers. As far as Paul Menard, he moves from the 27 team to uh, the Wood Brothers' number 21 car. So Paul Menard will be now affiliated with Team Penske, but officially drive 21 that Ryan Blaney drove last year for Wood Brothers. Blaney himself moves over to Team Penske as a third team mate – well, I guess a, a third of team in the Team Penske stable, stable with Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and now Ryan Blaney as a three-car team. Of course, like I said, with Paul Menard as the affiliate there. Running down, let's go back to the sheds here at Hendrick Motorsports. We talked about how Alex Bowman will be replacing Dale Jr. Will William Byron also steps in and replaces Casey Kane. Uh, however, there are some number changes. So Casey Kane was in the five-car That car, the five cars getting renumbered to the 24, which is the car Chase Elliott was. Chase Elliott's number is changing from 24 to nine. So really no changes. Essentially, it's just William Byron in for Casey Kane, and then there was just some swapping of jersey numbers. Uh Casey Kane himself leaves and goes to number 95 car of Levine Family Racing. You might recognize that as the car my McDowell drove last year. So McDowell's out of that ride, but McDowell hops into the ride that Landon Castle was in over at uh front row motorsports. So he's in the 34 car. Landon Castle currently does not have a ride in any of NASCAR series right now. Friend of the podcast, Landon Castle. So uh those those are the changes. Far in, in the Chevy drivers, the I should say the JTG Doherty stable of AJ Allmendinger and Chris Bush are also Chevys. They remain the same. Going over to the Fords, we talked about Michael McCall going in there. David Reagan stays at Front Row Motorsports as well. Matthew Benedetto stays. Rush Fenway is the same with Trevor Bain and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. We talked about Stuart Haas, we talked about Penske, and we talked about the Wood Brothers. Over at Ford, nothing has been announced for BK Racing. We remember last year they had Corey LaJoy and then a, some other drivers swapping around in the 83 car. Uh, the F- Joe Gibbs guys we talked about, front, uh, Furniture Row with Martin Truex Jr. we talked about, and those are really the main changes. Everybody else kind of backmarkery type stuff uh, is, is guys that just kind of come in for a handful of races here and there. You guys like Derek Cope, Ray Black Jr., et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So – those are the major changes for 2018 in t- terms of drivers. So a lot to keep up with, but uh, you know it'll be pretty easy to follow once the season gets going. Okay, so out of all the changes that you mentioned, which ones
2: do you think are going to have the biggest impact this coming year?
3: For me, I think the biggest impact will actually uh, be the rookie William Byron coming into the Cup Series. This guy is. Uh, just an incredible driver. Um, he, of course, was your champion in the Xfinity Series this past year in 2017. Um, he has four career wins in the Xfinity Series, 22 top 10s. He had seven wins in the Truck Series. Uh, the guy is just so incredibly talented. I expect... He'll be able to pick up uh, pretty quickly in these cup cars. I think he actually could win a race in his rookie year here. So don't be surprised by William Byron at all. This guy is an incredible talent. Some people call him the next Jeff Gordon, and uh, I wouldn't put it past him if he could put up some Jeff Gordon-like numbers at different points throughout his career. I don't think anybody will ever be the next Jeff Gordon, but I, I definitely think William Byron has a shot to be uh, – not only a surprise, but a, a a maybe a playoff contender, and not even just a first round playoff contender, but but get somewhat deeper into the playoffs. I don't think he'll necessarily make the final eight or four, but maybe he makes it past that first round this year. So for me, I think that's going to be the early surprise to to look at. Will be William Byron.
2: Uh, okay, I, I want to follow up with uh, Almarola. Um, he's moving from Richard Petty to Stuart Haas, which, uh, you would expect to be something of an upgrade. What are your thoughts specifically about him?
3: Yeah. And actually one change I did fail to neglect to mention is who is replacing Almirola and Richard Petty. And that is Bubba Wallace. Uh, we'll be replacing Eric Almirola in that car. So skipped over that one. Bubba Wallace, of course, moving up from the Xfinity series where he has some wins. So it will be great to see Bubba in that car. As far as Almirola, you're right. He is definitely upgrading in equipment. Uh, the, the Richard Petty stable um, actually has also switched from Ford to Chevrolet this year, so Bubba Wallace will be in a Chevy with Richard Petty. But uh, Eric Almirola stays in a Ford, um, and and now he just, instead of being at Richard Petty, moves to Stuart Haas Racing. They definitely have better equipment. Obviously, they produced Kevin Harvick, who has uh, you know been in contention for championship, won a championship. So it is... Championship caliber equipment. I expect Almerola will have more competitive races, but the issue for me comes in looking at Almirola's, is There's a uh, motorsports NASCAR stats website out there. It's called MotorsportsAnalytics.com, and it's where I get a lot of my restart information. But some of the other cool things they have is some advanced stats show driver quality very well in terms of the actual driver talent. And one of the things I think is Eric Almirola is kind of a a mid-level talent. Uh, And there's a a metric called PEER on on motorsportsanalytics.com, P-E-E-R. It stands for Performance and Equal Equipment Rating. Uh, Essentially, it takes the equipment level out of the picture it's we're able to do some statistical adjustments or you like in basketball or football you know what's the quality of competition we face well the quality of competition is how hard is your damn car to drive because you have crappy equipment that's like a really tough strength of schedule because you've got a a big uphill battle whereas you know if you're If you're driving the best cars out there, it's going to be a lot easier to go fast than if you're driving the worst cars out there. So it neutralizes the equipment uh, issue. And Eric Almirola actually ranked 13th out of all the drivers last year in this pure metric. So right there in the middle of the pack, one of the names he's right there with and has a lot of similar statistics, too, is a guy named Jamie McMurray. And and we talk about McMurray actually quite a bit. There's some races where he can get out front and lead laps or at least maybe be an outside shot. At a Dominator, uh, definitely some chances for top fives, top, top tens. I think that's possibly the level Eric Elmerola could get to. I wouldn't say it's like a cosmic leap forward, but I do think you know, for a driver who is most of the time a low to mid 6K driver on DraftKings, if he's priced that way early in the year, I don't mind taking advantage of that because I think he's a driver that could end up being a mid 7K driver kind of like Jamie McMurray hovers in the maybe the mid upper 7 or lower 8k range most of the year. I think you could be right on that level with a McMurray. They also have very similar statistics, not just in peer but in, in things like crash frequency. They both have very low crash frequencies. They're they're great at avoiding problems. They're super consistent drivers. Uh, another thing that is is very similar to them is they both have what's called a positive surplus pass value. So uh, they make more passes than they're expected to given their average running position. Now, um, obviously, they don't necessarily have the highest average running positions because they, they aren't the most talented drivers. But for their, you know, like let, let's say you're a 16th place car, you average a 16th place position throughout a race. They make more passes than the average 16th place average driver. So that's a good thing in their favor. So that step up in equipment for Alc- Eric Almirola, I think, can put them on a level – on par with guys like Daniel Suarez, Jamie McMurray, mid 7K, possibly even low 8K range. So I think he's a guy we can take value early, but I don't think he'll be the biggest impact in 2018.
1: Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie.
2: You mentioned um, with Stuart Haas racing the transition, I believe it was Stuart Haas, the transition uh, from one manufacturer to another. And let's uh, let's start with that um, for the next question. So uh, one thing to keep an eye on is that Chevy is replacing uh, the Chevy SS with a new model, uh, the Chevy Camaro. So, uh, they have this new car. Toyota, last year, introduced its new model with a lot of success as the dominant manufacturer. Uh, Ford isn't introducing its new car until 2019. So... I guess the, the question is, and, and Brad Keselowski, uh, he mentioned that this might be something that isn't particularly good for the guys who are driving Fords. Uh, do you think that that's the case with the Fords? And then what do you think we could expect from the stable of Chevy drivers this year?
3: Yeah, this is, this is the, I guess, the, the million-dollar question for not only for NASCAR, but I guess early season DFS as well. How are these manufacturers going to shake out? We know the Toyota stable last year was the dominant stable with all those Joe Gibbs guys, the furniture row guys just being so good. Some of the Chevys were good. You know, Jimmy Johnson at his moments, uh, obviously Kyle Larson was very good and, and the Fords had their moments with Harvick and, and Keselowski for the most part, occasionally Blaney, um, you know, and Chase Elliott was up there, but really the Toyotas were the best. So what will the Chevy Camaro be? I think that's the key. And I do like, Either stacking them or fading them. For example, not at Daytona where everything's equal and restricted plates, but Atlanta. Maybe taking advantage of that and uh, seeing if that's a good strategy to sh- stack or, or completely fade Chevy Camaros, depending on maybe what we see in practice. And one of the things we could look at Atlanta is, um, you know, how do they handle tire wear uh, at Atlanta, which is a very high tire wear track. Um, so it, it's going to be something we need to key in. Now, Chase Elliott said he liked driving. They- They've already done some test drive. Chase Elliott said he really liked driving the car, uh, but he didn't really know what to expect in terms of performance or competition. He said he's, you know, he has a hard time feeling much of anything. He's going so fast. The car looks great, uh, but he doesn't know how it'll stack up. The competition is that sandbagging? Is that he actually doesn't know? We don't know. So. It really is a million-dollar question. So I think the the big question mark is around the Camaro. As far as the Ford, I do think they could be in a little bit of trouble relative to the Toyota. We, uh, you know, Obviously, we saw the Toyota was dominant over the Ford. If those guys aren't um, – if the Fords aren't making huge leaps and bounds on the Toyota this year, I think they're going to be – uh, a little bit behind them again this year now that doesn't mean they can't improve they definitely can obviously teams work hard in the offseason manufacturers work hard in the offseason to make improvements changes it's not like they can't do anything to figure out how to go faster uh, there's always R&D being done to figure out legal changes to the car you can make to make it go faster so I think my personal opinion is the Fords will actually close the gap a little bit just because as you get more time with a car, you find out more ways to improve it, and uh, I mean I guess that could also be good for the Toyotas in that they're, they're having their second year now with the car and they can make some improvements. But but I think Ford might be able to close gap a little bit. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily going to get uh, uh, what was the drubbed in 2018 as Brad Keselowski suggested, but I do think they have a chance to be worse again than the, the Toyotas this year. The real question is, what do we expect from the Chevys as they transition this new car? Uh, it's it's definitely high tech. It looks really cool. Uh, Brad Keselowski, of course, has been very critical of of it, and uh, uh, I, you know I think that's just a lot of it is is garage talk and, and games and trying to get your, your little edges with NASCAR, the you know, sanctioning body that you can to see if they'll allow you to, to make some changes, this, that, and the other, but. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's it's almost like talking to the refs in a football game or a basketball game and trying to get them to get you some calls in your favor. That's kind of what I feel like Brad Keselowski is doing here. But I think the big thing early in the year would be to focus on those Chevys, see how they do, uh, and especially in practice, figure out how their tire wear is and, and how they're handling. If we see – very similar things among a lot of the Chevys. That's something to take note of. I know a couple years ago at Daytona, we saw a lot of the, the Hendrick guys spinning off of turn four at Daytona, and then it happened again in the race with Dale Jr. and Chase Elliott spinning off turn four in the race. We saw it during, uh, I think it was you know, the either the clash or the duels. We saw it in practice. So if we notice trends like that with the Chevys, that's going to be something to pay attention to early in 2018.
2: So I have a follow-up question on the cars. Is it that they have to... Uh, make an update to the model or that they
3: choose to? Yeah, uh, I think they choose to. Um, as far as what went on with Chevy is they're no longer selling the the SS in North America. Uh, I think it had a different name in North America. I'm not a, a big guy on models of, of Chevys, but uh, they, they stopped selling those in North America. So to kind of keep in the tradition of NASCAR of win on Sunday, sell on Monday – they're changing to a car type that uh, they're selling, and that's the Camaro. So, you know, they used to have the Monte Carlo back in the day. This time, they've decided to go with Camaro as their model for their NASCAR cars. Uh, we've seen, obviously, different manufacturers go through different models as well. Ford, you know, used to have a different model. Now they have the Fusion. So, um, you know, Toyota with its Camry now. So there's. You can introduce a new car. It doesn't happen every year. Um, and uh, I think, you know, it, it goes through cycles, it goes through phases. I'm not completely sure what is set by NASCAR and how frequently you can do this. But uh, definitely, in this case with Chevy, it was kind of uh, pushed forward because of the fact that. They're eliminating the SS brand in North America. And so they wanted to go with uh, a brand that is being sold in North America.
2: That's interesting. So it's a, it's a straight business decision because I, like, I think like, what if it's possible that it's actually a worse car? You know, like, I don't think many people would think of that as being a possibility that like, it's either better or maybe it's the same, but if the change has almost nothing to do with how the car might race, I mean, isn't it possible that it could be worse for the drivers?
3: Uh, it's it's possible, certainly, but they wouldn't make this change uh, just for business purposes in terms of uh, selling cars. They also want to make this change because they want to go faster. Uh, they saw they were definitely taking a hit in speed relative to the Toyotas in 2017. I think they want to Bringing a new and better car. And by all indications, this car looks better, has better technology in its build. Um, it's not, it's not like they're taking a Camaro from our our mom and pop shop next door and then just adding some enhancements to it. No, it's, I mean, it's kind of modeled after it, but it's really, it's a race car. It's not a, it's not actually a Camaro, but it's modeled after the Camaro. But, The idea is they're going to put everything they can, all this R&D money they've got. And Chevy has long time been one of the premium manufacturers in NASCAR. I expect them to have a better car this year. I really do. That said, it's not guaranteed. There can be problems in developing a new car that are unforeseen. Wind tunnel testing is a lot different than – actually getting it out on the track and racing it. And we've seen that happen in Formula 1, you know, we we see Ferrari has struggled one time uh, in the past year or two with with a car uh, that they, they were slower than they expected and this is Ferrari, like the most expensive famous Formula 1 car of team manufacturer of all time. They've had their struggles introducing new cars. So it can miss. Um, right now, we don't know what's going to happen, but my my guess is they're going to be better, but we just don't know. Maybe there's unanticipated tire wear. Maybe there's unanticipated mechanical issue. Maybe there's an unanticipated handling issue. We don't know, and all those things will be things we'll need to pay attention to early in the year.
2: All right, so Chevy is releasing its new model in Rotoviz is also going to be releasing some new models. Boom! Do you like that transition?
3: That I, I, was, I like it. I that like was it. So
2: smooth. That's that's why I get paid the huge dollars to do this uh, this NASCAR pod. So, Rotoviz is going to be releasing some new tools for 2018 NASCAR DFS coverage. Nick, talk to us about uh, everything that is going to be in the package.
3: Yeah, and uh, when you said model, I didn't actually even write that in the outline, but you guessed it uh we are and we didn't talk about this point either but we are i I wouldn't say a new model but we're introducing a new way of of presenting the model and that is going to be with an app uh we're actually going to have a model app and this will let you build your own model it's going to use all the data i use and i build the model every week but kind of like uh I guess like the guys you you know Matt your your Fantasy Labs and and uh, you guys have a model that you do there at Fantasy Labs for all your different DFS. It's gonna be similar, but it's gonna be different in that way. In that you, with RotoViz, we're gonna let you pick and choose the variables you want, the number of variables. Uh, instead of saying you know recent history, you get to define the number of races that you want to look back. And then you get to test all those models on on previous data, but also unseen data, so that you can figure out how it makes new predictions. So uh, that's going to be something that's really cool, because uh, you're going to be able to predict unseen data, and that way you can tweak and build your own model until you get the best out-of-sample prediction, because that's going to let you really figure out what's going to happen on data you haven't seen before. So maybe you want to pick the last four races driver rating, the last eight races driver rating, and the last eight races at the same track driver rating and and build a model like that. And you can, we'll we'll be able to customize it so you can pick up to a certain number of variables. I might cap it at either eight or 12 so it doesn't get too complex. And I'll have a big instruction sheet uh, tab there on how to use it. And we'll put a YouTube video up on how to use it. But the idea is instead of just me putting out a single model in the article, you can play around with a bunch of different models. You can Hopefully, we'll have figure out a way to, so you can save the different models. And and one of the things that I like doing, instead of just relying on one single model, which is the model I used every week, of course, in the article, it makes sense to maybe use three models and then aggregate those averages because sometimes, a mo- well, it's called an ensemble of models, will actually perform better than a single model, even if the single model looks to be kind of as optimal as you can get an out-of-sample data, uh, even just amalgamating three different models can can be better than that or five models called ensembling. Um, But the idea is to make as accurate a prediction as possible. And one of the things that's nice is if you take three different models and you can get kind of a different idea of the range of outcomes of each driver as well. You know, if one driver comes out to be of average finish of 15th in one model, but then eighth in another, you can see maybe he possibly has a wider range of outcomes than another driver who consistently comes up at like 10th, 11th, 12th in the different models. So uh, there's going to be a whole, you know, instruction sheet on how you can do that, like I said, in the app itself, and it'll be super user friendly. Uh, one thing I would like to do is to be able to like save the model output so you can get an average predicted finishing position. Uh, and then, of course, you can calculate DraftKings points from that and load that into the optimizer so it's going to take some work. I don't know if we will have it set up right for the beginning of the year, but we're definitely going to get that out in the early portion of the season. Uh, and, and, and we'll definitely have a model ready for the early portion of the season. I don't know about linking it to the the uh, optimizer right away, but the idea is we're, we're going to continue to build that just like we did last year when we continued to build some of the early season stuff. So it's been stuff I've been working on. Um takes a lot of planning and coding and things like that, but I'm excited for it because it will let you guys build your own models uh, in and not just have to trust my own model, which has always been very good. I've tried to make it as optimized as possible, but this will really let you guys see what goes into these models and build your own so you don't always have to rely on the same model outputs that go into the optimizer that everybody else is using in the optimizer as well.
2: Uh, that sounds amazing. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, did you like that I – predicted that the changes were going to have to do with models it's almost like i'm an oracle or something
3: yeah you're actually your own predictive model right there (laughs) fantastic
2: okay uh anything else to add we are going to uh i think from now on right uh one episode per week we're just going to start cranking these out because i mean the
3: uh season's around the corner it's
2: yeah was it is it february 11 or something like that
3: yeah, somewhere early in the in February, it's it's uh, President's Day weekend is the Daytona 500. So the weekend before that is the Clash or whatever they call it these days, the shootout, the whatever. I mean that's the beginning the race of the I've season. won two years in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean we're we're a couple weeks away. So next week's episode is gonna be awesome because I'm gonna talk about like I said the trends we found last year uh that are maybe a little bit different from years past that'll affect a little bit how we play dfs especially you know, things around dominators cautions etc um so that's pretty cool i'm excited for that episode and we'll probably do an episode uh you know the, the, obviously we'll have the the preview episode for the clash and the daytona 500 and all that but i think we'll have another i think we have another week in there where we'll do an episode on gpp and cash game strategy in general and just kind of go over all the different rotavis tools and how you can use them for cash and gpp's
2: Fantastic! Yeah, so the the clash, which I mean, I know that's not technically the beginning of the NASCAR season, but that really is the beginning of the NASCAR season. That is Sunday, February eleventh. Uh, so the week after the Super Bowl. So uh, yeah, definitely get ready from that transitioning from yeah, once. Yeah, to and the I mean,
3: next. I'm definitely going for the 3 Pete in that. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I won that. Uh, we talked about that earlier, but yeah, I won. People know they the know. season that's, opening. That's G- what G- they know G- about you. Yeah, but but. We might have some new listeners this year. That's so. true. That's true. Uh, so. But, yeah, that, I've won that GVP two years in a row, both in the low stakes and in the 27. No, I think it's usually the $3 or $4 one and then also the $27 one. So I think I won both of those both years in a row. Um, and uh, I think both years in a row also I placed, like, five of the top seven lineups in each. So uh, it's it's a race I love to, to play because wild things happen. How things happen, it's unpredictable. You go against the grain, tends to work out well. Now, it won't always, but it tends to. So I'm excited. I mean, that's February 11th. That's like so soon.
2: Yeah, that's so basically soon. basically next week. Uh, okay, so everyone keep an eye out for our future podcast. The next one going to be with Nick, giving us all of the uh, the research that he's done. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode. For Nick Giffen on Twitter at Rotodoc, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On The Daily, the Rodoviz Daily fantasy sports podcast powered by Rotoviz Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily dfs at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at @on_the_dailydfs.
0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale! Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.
3: From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash
1: home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.